0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: If you're an LA fan, this NBA playoffs has been a darn roller coaster. And notice I didn't have to specify whether you're a Clippers fan or a Lakers fan. Either way, you've either felt really good about your team or real bad. And right now they're both sort of in the same spot, feeling pretty low with the Lakers on the brink tonight and the Clippers looking at the end of their season, potentially as well. And, So many questions about what comes next for both franchises if the season ends in the first round. It's Spain and Fitz. No Fitz tonight. He is uh, likely on cake slice number 11 for his birthday. So happy birthday, Fitz. Happy birthday. That's right. Courtney Cronin filling in here on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And we're going to get right to the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that is, who can go... And how will they play tonight, specifically as the Lakers try to keep their season alive? That's a 10.30 Eastern start. Late start for the East Coasters as the Suns try to put him away. And a lot of conversation, of course, about A.D. Courtney, everything sounds the same. Game time situation. If the doctors clear him, he can go. And as many different ways as people today have said, listen, I don't doubt the legitimacy of his injury, but he's got to play. Uh, the, the the more I'm like, listen, I get you're saying what you don't want to say, which is that you think it's up to him on whether or not he wants to go. And I don't think anybody should be questioning that, Courtney. It's going to come down to can he be out on the court, A, and be remotely effective, and B, not compromise a lengthy contract that they have him signed to with a much more serious injury?
2: You don't want him to be out there and be a liability because, of course, he's going to want to help his team stay alive, right? I mean... The pairing between him and LeBron, when they made this duo together, was that LeBron was going to, they would be able to win right now. Eventually, LeBron becomes the best wingman in the NBA as he fades into the twilight of his career, and Anthony Davis is the superstar that carries the Lakers to title number 18 and number 19 and however many after that. So there's a lot riding on him, and I guess really the discourse that's going to surround this Lakers team if they lose tonight and he doesn't play, but My fear is, what if he goes out there and he's just, you know, a serious problem in a bad way for the Lakers? But that's not what you want either. An ineffective Anthony Davis, because you know he's not going to be 100%. If you get 80%, if you get 70%, is that still enough to help LeBron where he doesn't have to go into superhuman Rambo mode tonight to lift the Lakers into a
1: Game 7? And Courtney, the answer to that is, of course, we've seen Anthony Davis kind of disappear even when he's allegedly healthy. We certainly saw him not look his best with the knee injury before aggravating the groin. But we've also seen the rest of the roster for the Lakers be absolute zeros. And by zeros, I mean, that's what showed up in the box score for two of the guys that were supposed to at least contribute. Dennis Schroeder has been absolutely a mess. And so when you hear Frank Vogel Talk about how both AD and KCP are game time decisions and saying we've got a game plan. I don't know if I buy it. Here's Vogel.
3: Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a, an ideal situation. Uh, obviously our season's on the line tonight and, uh, you know, we're pouring everything we have into, into getting this W and we really won't know about two of our starters. Um, obviously, uh, you know, a big key, um, Anthony Davis, um, but also Cantavius K- Caldwell Pope are both uncertain and, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see on those guys. We're prepared with uh, contingency plans if they, if they can't go, uh, with what lineups we're going to use, and uh, we'll be ready for everything.
1: Okay, so the contingency plan is Kyle Kuzma, who's shooting 19% from three, or, or maybe Markeith Morris, who's scored seven points in 22 minutes so far. Or again, Dennis Schroeder, the guy who turned down millions and millions and millions of dollars for a better deal and couldn't hit a damn shot. I don't think they have much of a contingency plan. No, and
2: the whole roster around LeBron James has kind of been a conundrum this whole season because Andre Drummond is an awkward fit for this team. You know, Marcus he can get you some offense, and they absolutely need to score because LeBron is scoring at a clip that is at his lowest since the 2011 playoffs. But then you have, like, Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder, who were, you know, candidates for Sixth Man of the Year last year. They're wildly inconsistent. So everything that you put around LeBron James, and I know that you mentioned Morris. I mean, he's not a fit for Anthony Davis, even though he was playing in that role the other night. It's just like they don't actually have an answer, but you cannot have KCP and Dennis Schroeder, who was 0 for 9 the other night and 0 for 4 from 3. They can't be in the game and scoring zero points between the two of them.
1: That cannot happen. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz tonight as we look for a big, big night for the Lakers trying to stave off elimination in the first round and certainly... Plenty of excuses if that happens because of being injury-plagued, but excuses don't really fix the massive question marks that will exist for this team going forward and certainly won't prevent any of us from having revisionist history about whether they could have forced that deal for Kyle Lowry, you know what additions they could have tried to, to add, how much rest they did or didn't give their stars heading in. Um, and on the other side, you know we talk so much about AD right now and whether he's available and, and LeBron and how injuries have affected him. Chris Paul is having to put in Herculean efforts despite injury, the stinger-slash-nerve issue that got re-aggravated. Well, here's the status for him tonight.
4: He's expected uh, to go and and play tonight uh, against the Lakers. Uh, Certainly, he was in great pain after that collision uh, with Wesley Matthews uh, in Game 5. But, you know, I'm told that, listen, he's going to have to continue to play with some level of discomfort uh, with this injury uh, but as you've seen in this series, he's continued to fight through it, uh, and he'll certainly be out there tonight trying to close L.A. out in this first-round series.
1: And Courtney, as much as Lakers fans won't be happy to hear this, there is something really heartening about Chris Paul managing to fight through this and play, because I think when we saw him go down, there was such a fear of this being another postseason that ended in injury instead of getting to see what that guy can do.
2: Well, I thought something was like really, really, really serious. Um, and I know it, was, you know it was a stinger, and he'd already aggravated it, but he looked like he was, like, writhing th- in pain on the well, floor. Well, nerve issue was is
1: horrific, right? It, yeah. It's not as long-term of, of an issue, but in the moment, incredibly painful.
2: And, and it's like, how do you play through that? I mean, this is a guy who, in game four, Monty Williams was trying to sit him, and he right. said absolutely not. So I think that you can really appreciate, like you said, a guy who's dealt with injury history that's what's defined the postseason for Chris Paul like he's you know probably a hall of famer he's an all-star guard but his postseason success has hinged on the fact that he has not been available and injuries have hit him literally at the worst possible time so you kind of root for that storyline and also what's been around him I mean you have guys like DeAndre Ayton um and in, in Devin Booker, who have no playoff experience until this series, playing the way that they are. You throw Cameron Payne into the mix there. You know, the moment where the Lakers started trending down was exactly where the Suns started trending up. And, I mean, the Suns have been a good team this whole season. There's a reason they were the two seed. But I think they finally got their credit when we saw what they were able to do in spite of Chris Paul's shoulder injury. And really the way that his inconsistent play hasn't affected the bottom line for them all that right. much.
1: This has been a roller coaster of a series, and it could end tonight leaving a lot of question marks for the Lakers. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin. Like I said, 10.30 Eastern start for that one. The first game tonight is Denver at Blazers. That's an 8 Eastern game. And really quickly, all eyes are going to be on Dame Lillard and whether or not he needs to put the whole team on his back again and can do enough that Nuggets can't answer. As much as the focus will be there, what's really decided, whether or not This, you know, this series, whether a game hinges in favor of the Nuggets or the Blazers, has been the three-point shooting of Denver. In their three wins, they've shot 48% from three. In their two losses, they only shot 30% from three. That's it, right? And so if they can keep coming back after they can't do anything to stop Dame and score on their end— then they just tire each other out, and they hope that Dame misses a shot because we know his teammates are going to, or step on the out of bounds line, oh or God, make I'm a still bad not over pass. That. Me neither, because CJ is a friend of the show, and I'm a huge fan of his. And that was just a heartbreaking way to go down. Or missing dunks, Dame's hitting from half court. You can't hit from half inch away. Uh, so we'll be keeping our eyes on that as well tonight, of course. Uh, coming up, the Knicks are officially out. They bowed out, or was that Trey Young bowing? We'll get into that next. Spain and Fitz.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz
1: podcast. I said it last night. I said, you know, maybe this series isn't as over as everyone says. Maybe the Knicks have something left. And I was wrong. <laughs> you heard that from 92.9, the game. Knicks are out. Hawks advance. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Courtney Croton fin- filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and the ESPN app. Uh, yeah, the Hawks put a hurt on him. 10389 to send the Knicks packing maybe some of those good feelings about a a return to the playoffs and a big step forward for the Knicks, not as, not as readily accessible now that Julius Randall struggled so much in this one, Courtney, it it felt like there, and and there's still plenty of of good to be happy about, but it felt like there was this next step being taken and it was all around Randall being the guy we saw in the regular season and 23 points and 10 boards, 13 rebounds. Like, Or or, sorry 13 rebounds uh eight you know this is this is a better performance for him you know it it, it ain't as bad as it was but I have a lot of questions about what you do to build on this and whether this is a a destination now simply because they found their way into the playoffs and I think
2: the one thing that people need to realize because remember how they ended the season um it was like they lost uh, – I'm looking at the schedule right now. A lot of Ws, a whole lot of green in there from, like, April 9th when they beat Memphis, the 133-129 game in overtime, all the way till they beat Toronto, like 20 days later. You know, the stretch that they had there, and they, you know, took some – they beat a San Antonio team that wasn't very good. They beat Charlotte at the end of the season. They beat Boston, the final game before the end of the regular season. There was a lot of hope there, but that never carried over into the postseason. And I think it just points out Julius Randle's not a number one. Did we ever think he was? Maybe just because of the way that they were playing and the you know, the, uh, not to win it. Not, not, to, win not it, to win it. But could he be
1: there was never enough around, around yes, yes right. there was
2: never enough around him. And when, you know, they lose their starting center to the broken foot, um, you know, somewhere in March and they came they they went through a lot. They went through a lot of adversity this year. The turnaround with Tibbs was really cool to watch, but I think that this showed us a, a glimmer into what the future could be in New York. Is it a free agent destination? Well, it sure as heck should be. Because A, you're playing in New York. B, this team is on the cusp of something pretty special cuz Tibbs took a bunch of no names, a bunch of rejects honestly, a group of misfits into the postseason as a four seed. Now, were they as legitimate of a four seed as you would have expected? Obviously not. And Atlanta came to play. Like, that's the thing. We need to, like, put some respect on Atlanta. They weren't, you know, the biggest story in the NBA this year, but they probably should have been now that we play the hindsight game. They make a coaching change. They become one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And now look where they are going in to play Philadelphia in the second round of the postseason. like There's a lot here, but as far as it pertains to the New York Knicks and what's next, I think that this offseason, once we get to July or whenever the heck free agency is going to start, it's going to be a chance for Tibbs to go after some of the guys that he's had before maybe Carl Anthony Towns somehow makes his way to get reunited yeah, I, with Tibbs in, in don't, New York. I don't I'd see love the to Knicks see it. is a
1: destination that you're saying. I think it's the same conversation we have. It's a destination because people still think MSG means something and because it's the Knicks. There are so many better places that I would want to go and team up with a star than the Knicks. I like Tibbs, but nah, that's to me they eat their way into the playoffs with a not super deep east they were clearly behind the best teams in the East, even including guys missing for injury and everything else. And listen, I, I, I'm positive about the step back to some sort of relevance, but all the conversations about big superstars going there to me, it never ends up happening. And there are a lot of other places now. They're smaller markets, and maybe someone wants to go just because it's New York. But if they're going, they're going for the city. They're not going because this team can offer more than other places in my opinion, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin were presented by progressive insurance. On the other side, you mentioned the Hawks that we didn't give enough love to and Trey young in particular is a gamer and he was given all of MSG, the straight talk last night brought to you by straight talk wireless. Here's what he said about that bow that he, he closed out the game with.
4: I mean, the bow is something I did, I did in high school after I hit a game winner and um, leading up to this game. uh, I knew, I know where we are. I know it's a bunch of shows around this city. And I know what, what they do when the show is over. So that's pretty much what it was. So. Okay.
1: Gosh. Do you think he rehearsed that? I don't know. But if I don't care if he did. He nailed it. I mean, that I mean just the delivery was perfect. I just, just too good. I watched
2: that clip because it happened when we were on air last night. And I watched that clip back like five times in just flawless savagery tied in with respect. Perfect. The way that he handled that moment. And the fact is, the Knicks are good enough now that they actually have a super villain, which I think is something that's also kind of lost in the mix here. But what it means for Atlanta, what it meant for Trey Young, the guy was getting profanity hurled at him game one and two. And then all of a sudden, or not really all of a sudden, you know, the moment he shushed that crowd, something changed. Took a big and up. the way that he, you know, took that series into his own hands, and then Clint Capella with the trash talk about, well, this... Knicks team I mean they're they're Tibbs it's Tibbs ball they're supposed to be defensively sound they're supposed to be rough and tumble we don't see any of that it lit more fire into it I thought a fight was going to break out on the court at some point last
1: night because they weren't close. calling anything it was close uh Trey Young you're right punctuated it perfectly and especially for a young star coming into his own to have the moxie to do it was incredible gave you the straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless no contract no compromise uh speaking of a young superstar that absolutely gives zero F's Luka Doncic last night, and he didn't even feel that impressed with his outing. Talked about his missed shots and things that could have been better, but the guy had 42 points, eight rebounds, 14 assists, led the Mavs over the Clippers, a 105-100 win. Near the end, every time he passed it, I was like, "What are you doing?" It reminded me of the end of that OT game double OT game, every time Dame passed it, I'm like, don't pass it. Don't pass it. Because Doncic was setting up great plays, but they couldn't hit. And in the end, he made or assisted 31 of the team's 37 field goals. 83.8% of Dallas's buckets had some involvement from Luka. That's the highest ever by anyone in the history of the NBA in a playoff game. And there's a good reason why Max Kellerman today on first take said Luka is the most valuable guy in the NBA.
5: Who's the most valuable commodity in the NBA? The answer is Luka Doncic, and it's not close. He is 22 years old and can walk into playoff series against defenders like Kawhi and Paul George, and they don't seem to want it with him.
1: That's the bit there. It's the swagger. It's the confidence. And, you know, Max laid out all, you know, for age, You know, for ability, all the other stuff, that's how he came up with commodity as a specific phrase. But, I mean, tough to argue a 22-year-old with that kind of skill and confidence and ability to take over, especially when it sometimes looks like he's playing in molasses and he still gets whatever he wants anytime.
2: You know who else did that at 22 years old with one of the worst rosters in the NBA at that time in 2007? LeBron James. That's who that reminds me of. And I know that... When I, Whenever I hear like Ramona Shelburne compare Luka to LeBron, knowing like how entrenched she was covering LeBron early in his career, I'm like, okay, I'm listening because I saw that comparison last night and it was unbelievable to watch him go nuclear at a time where his team needed him most and fighting through that
1: shoulder injury. Yeah, 100%. And that was a real concern, absolutely, that, you know, the shoulder injury would be so bad we wouldn't even get enough of Luka for it to count. Not a concern. We got plenty. We got more than they needed. Uh, just incredible. Uh, I was texting name drop with Mark Cuban, and he said, Not a series till the home team wins a game. <laughs> so that's what we're seeing there. Up next, some info on the most valuable data for the East.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Already been quite a year for the 76ers who trusted the process and now find themselves looking at an East that they are atop. We'll little setback for Joel Embiid. We'll get into that and how that affects expectations for the squad. Uh, but we're going to talk to someone who knows better than anyone the process that got them here and the keys to that process. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Fitz is out for his birthday. Courtney Cronin filling in on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining us now in the Goodyear hotline, Sixer CEO Scott O'Neill. Scott, thanks for the time.
4: Sarah, it's a pleasure to be on. Hope you're well.
1: I am well, and I, I loved reading about the sort of uh, synopsis of your book, Beware Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. Um, this book, I'm wondering if, as you watch your Sixers uh, thriving, you wondered if you wanted to wait till the end of this season. Maybe, maybe there'll be a dramatic finale at the end, <laughs> a, a climactic finish? Uh, w-
4: <clears throat> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Wouldn't it be a nice to have a nice, long, fun summer ending in a parade?
1: Right. That's what we maybe, all dream about. Yeah, maybe they just uh, reissue the book with, a, with an addendum on the end if something changes.
4: Um, <laughs> second edition.
1: We've right, always exactly. a second edition. <laughs> uh, what made you want to uh, come out with this book, and, and what inspired you to say, I've got the solution for staying present and mastering uh, being in the moment?
4: Well, it's a hair of a sad story, so I don't want to bring you down, but my best friend of 20 years took his own life. And uh, I was speaking at his funeral. I look out. <clears throat> I see his incredible five children. And I thought to myself, they're never going to hear another lesson from him. I spiraled into some grief. I started kind of recovering by writing. And uh, I started to find my voice by figuring out uh, talking through the frailties, pitfalls, uh, stumbles, and trips I've had in my life and the incredible lessons I've learned. And so, so that's the genesis of it. I am very passionate about developing the next great generation of leaders in this world. So that's another another impetus. And then um, obviously, COVID has put us in a in our own little cocoons and we're isolated and we're ready to break out. And I think this is the anecdote to drive more connection, uh, more humanity and, uh, and a little love into a world that needs it right now.
2: The book is called Be Where Your Feet Are, which is not easy for a lot of people to do, given everything that's thrown at us in work, personal life, relationships, etc. And managing a team, I'm sure it's probably really difficult when you have so much on your plate at any time. What's the discipline factor that you've discovered in being able to do that in keeping your feet where they are?
4: Um, great question. And, you know, I, I, this my, I'm a work in progress. I mean, I came mm-hmm. home during the process era. One of the chapters is actually called Trust the Process. But I came home during our 10 win season and I was stomping around the house. And, and my wife <laughs> looked me dead in the eye and she's like, What are you doing? And I said, What do you mean? Did you see the game? She said, Yeah, I saw the game. I said, Did you see us get pounded? I said, Yeah. saw so I heard the booze. <clears throat> and I said, Well, she said, Well, this isn't going to work. Um, and I said, What's well, not going to work? She's like, You? How, how many games are you going to lose this year? 50? I said, 50. I hope we lose 50. And she's like, so 60, 70 games, 70 nights a year? You're going to call them like this? This ain't going to work for me. It's not going to work for our family. And that was my big wake-up call. So you you definitely need someone in your life that's going to tell you the truth, someone that loves you enough to give you feedback. You also need some perspective. Like, I got to tell you, I mean, as I've traveled the world over the last uh, 20 years, like, we have it really good. And I know this country isn't perfect, but, boy, oh, boy, I mean, we have it really, really good. And so we need some perspective about – who we are and, and where we are. And I, I will tell you, I've got three daughters. My youngest uh, is in the eye of the storm every day. And that could be three of her friends on TikTok making a video and she's not there. And that's the, you know, that is the, 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 the world is coming to an end. Uh, my seven year old crashes a car. The world is coming to an end. And both those things are, I'm sure, tragic in their own life. But as adults, we have a little perspective. I can tell you, right. we don't always have perspective. I think a lot of us, especially right now, are staring right in front of that tree. and We've got to pull that lens back. So I think we need perspective and we need feedback, and the third one is probably the toughest thing for me, and that's to find some reflective strength. And so, um, for you know, I remember <clears throat> I had this executive coach years ago, Trisha Nadoff, and she'd tell me, Scott, you need to meditate. And I used to say, laugh or meditate? I can't even sit still for five seconds. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, as I got older, I found it di- in different ways, um, whether that's going for a walk, listening to the birds, sitting down for a bit, we've got to find some stillness. So that's my, that's my three-point plan to, to finding how to how to get, Be more present and be where we are. And I will tell you that the magic, if you do nothing else, if you remember only one thing I say today, just remember this thing. Put your phone down and get your head up because we need to be aware. We need to talk to each other. Let's find conversation again.
1: Sixer CEO Scott O'Neill is with us talking about his new book, Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. I'm buying into all of this. I do a podcast and I've had a handful of guests on, including another Uh, gentleman whose friend passed uh, from suicide and looked around at all the successful lawyers and people around him and wondered why these people who, in theory, should be getting all the things that they were always looking for are so unhappy. And it was gratitude. And one of the things that you mentioned that I love so much is assume positive intent. So many people are out in the world assuming everybody has it out for them or that they've got everything bad and it influences the way they move into all the spaces they go in. So this sounds like a fantastic book and a book that you are probably putting to use right now because you have this incredible season. You know, the Sixers are on top of the world, Mm -hmm. and you have a setback for Joel, particularly in a year where he spent so much time getting himself in perfect shape and really dedicated himself. How have you been putting your seven principles to work over the last week or so?
4: (laughs) Man, I think trust the process has helped. WMI, what's most important has helped, and certainly API Assuming Positive Intent have helped. But I will tell you what a treat and a joy it is. I've been in this business 25 years. I have never seen a big with this kind of skill set ever. Uh, both ends of the court, he is a monster and a warrior, and he wants to play. Um, so yes, there are setbacks. That is the game of basketball, and that is sports, and you know that as much as I do. Um, but uh, but I I, I think um, I'd be knocking I'd be knocking wood right now. But um, but I don't think there's much that's going to keep him off the court. He's a, he's a tough kid. and He's ready to go. We'll see.
2: What we saw in the closeout game over the Wizards last night was a real nice group effort. It wasn't just Ben Simmons. You know, Seth Curry had an awesome game himself. What have you seen from the non-Imbied starters that give you confidence that if he does have to miss a couple games, they can carry the load? <clears throat> oh,
4: you know, I, I will tell you, um, it's been fun with this team. There's a there's a new energy. There's a new Karma around this team and, and part of that Is of course having a leader like Doc Rivers And um, and part of it is Daryl Morey and Elton Brand um, Filling this team out so with, with a little better Fit but when you have The, the type of, of character And camaraderie And spirit on this team I mean you only Have to watch our warmups once to kind of Get it like this team they love Each other they root for each other and this is Not like Joel Embiid and the Sweat Seven Dwarfs here I mean th- this is this is A real team with real talent I mean, you got Ben Simmons, of course, the all-world guard. And Tobias Harris should have been an all-star. And Seth Curry, man, he went nuts last night. And, and Danny Green, while he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the first half, uh, he, was, he had the hardest defensive assignment all night. And when we needed a bucket, it was Danny Green. Just veteran tips, veteran plays, veteran rebounds, and, and veteran buckets. So it, it's a really, really fun team. And then we had Tyrese Maxey, who, who uh, the national media hasn't really jumped on and started talking about. But as we continue to go on in the playoffs, his name is going to be mentioned quite a bit. Boy, is he uh, electric. And then, of course, Matisse Stiebel, again, on the national team doesn't get much attention. But I, I've never – he's like Plastic Man. I, I've never seen anybody quite like him defensively. So it's a, it's a fun team. Um, everybody understands what they have to do and what role they play and, and definitely have a next man up mentality. And that comes from Doc Rivers.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio. Scott O'Neill, CEO of the 76ers here with us. You know, getting past the Wizards is an accomplishment, but it was sort of assumed uh, even after Joel had to take the game off. Uh, They do expect to get him back, but how much does what happens in the next few rounds affect the approach to next season and moving forward? There's been a lot of noise around this team about whether Embiid and Simmons can be the partnership uh, that eventually does bring a title, um, does it matter how deep they go this year? Are those decisions being made now, or are you waiting on all those things?
4: Well, that's what Daryl and Elton will figure out. Uh, I can tell you this. I mean, any question on fit I think has been asked and answered. I mean, you, you have seen just uh, kind of different sets, different mentality, and they do such different things. I mean, any time you can get two transformational stars on a team, I'm not sure anybody in the world's running for cover. Uh, whenever you um, – and finishing first in the East, I'm not sure what, what else they would have to do to prove it. Uh, the narrative is fascinating. I, I will tell you, like, I, I I have the blessing of getting to see uh, these, these young men play every day. And I, I just don't want it to be lost on anybody. I mean, Joel Embiid is 26 years old. Ben Simmons is 24 years old. This is not the end. This is the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean – it's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I feel like uh, some of the criticism, those people need your book. Maybe Ben Simmons needs your book, too, at times when those people are ragging on him for, for various things. But uh, looking forward to reading it. It sounds actually uh, like something that could benefit people in the sports world and beyond. And appreciate your insight. And thank you for coming on tonight.
4: Have a wonderful night. I appreciate it. Let's go, Sixers.
1: Scott O'Neill, CEO of the Sixers. You can grab his book, uh, Be Where Your Feet Are and uh, learn some of the lessons from one of the top leaders in the NBA, help that team through the process to where they are now with very big expectations in the East. Brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, so little time, so much to get to, which means quickies.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: One of those Thursdays that feels like a Friday. It must be because it's Jason Fitz's birthday. We're all in the mood for a little celebration, pop a top, get after it. Uh, perhaps we already are. Perhaps we're waiting till the show is over. That's for you to decide. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin, filling in for the birthday boy on ESPN Radio, SiriusXM XM Channel 80 and the ESPN app. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can catch all the stuff that you might miss. Uh, ESPN app, Apple iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. It is a busy day, especially with two uh, potential elimination series tonight in the NBA. So to get to all the other good stuff, we got to do it quickly, which means quickie.
0: We get in and out of topics fast. Quickies with Spain and Fitz.
1: Well, we'll stick with the NBA quickly, just for one, because I saw this video of uh, John ja Morant's father T chopping it up with Donovan Mitchell after the after the loss that that sent Jaw's team packing and advanced. Advanced the Jazz and Courtney. We remember that there was an awful incident of fans harassing John Morant's family. And instead of just apologizing, which was, of course, required, the Jazz also handed the family five tickets and lodging and and a bunch of stuff as a sort of olive branch to say that, you know, that they don't represent the team or our fan base. And so this was a little bit of what uh, John Morant's dad, T, said to Donovan Mitchell as a result of that. Go bad,
0: and then you reach out. That's how you bridge the gap. Most people don't realize that. So that's hey. That's why I appreciate you, and that's why I hope the Jazz win the championship. Hey, hey, hey! Keep killing it. My God,
1: Courtney, it's not that big of a deal, but I like it because it's pretty easy to have a bad experience and paint everyone with a with a, a brush and and not be willing to, to come back and recognize a nice, a nice gesture. And so to handle it that way and go above and beyond and really connect with Donovan is pretty cool. I thought it was awesome. And that's like the ultimate olive
2: branch. Like they followed through. It wasn't just mm-hmm. that Ryan Smith, the owner, put out the statement that this doesn't represent our franchise, all of that. Like they followed up, and they went the extra mile. And I thought that that's an awesome – it's kind of an, a cool way, full circle, in spite of like some crappy circumstances in the middle there for – um, you know, team Morant then to be like, I hope you guys win everything. And, you yeah. know, Donovan Mitchell thought said it was the ultimate sign of respect, which, you know, that's pretty cool because they made, you know, they made lemonade out of some weird lemons yeah. there, I guess. Well,
1: and I like what Donovan said about it, which to your point, it was, we're not going to let these people ruin it. He said, there's ways to go about it and show we don't stand for this. That's what that message was. We're not going to let a few idiot fans in each arena change that or change what our mindset is. We stand by that. The biggest thing is, as a whole, we're starting to see the league and the teams and guys are rallying behind each other, having each other's backs, having the family's backs, understanding that this is a brotherhood, this is a family. And that's the perfect example there is, you know, opponent, uh, opponent's dad connecting and wishing you well in the future. Um, so you love to see it. Next story. Quickies. Um. I can't say you love to see it about the next story, but I guess I can say better than the alternative. And this is a story that we covered a while back. Uh, There was a really great podcast, if you want a full recounting of it, ESPN Daily with uh, Pablo Torre and Ryan Smith talking about it. Uh, The sort of race norming in concussion settlements with players for the NFL, uh, whereby they essentially started black players at lower cognitive test score bases in order to decide whether cognitive... Um, ability had been affected by playing football, by potential CTE and brain damage. And because of that, a lot of black players were unable to hit proper marks to be considered uh, deserving of the massive billion plus dollar settlement of class action concussion litigation against the league. And so the NFL came out today and said that they will stop the race norming in these decision making but courtney you have to wonder if this would have happened if not for the massive investigation uh, by multiple outlets
2: yeah i mean this has been going on now for a long time like the not there was like the binary black and non-black scoring system that they developed in the early 1990s and all these years later it's like was there not any other sort of like medical advice or research that would show you that that's just like not applicable i don't know i mean it is kind of interesting that it came out now i know that lawyers have been fighting the race norming in dementia testing since 2018 right. but for it to come out to come to light now i mean it's just all these years later it's you really hope that the people who needed the help and needed the money to you know fight against you know issues with cte i mean i've covered cte in players i've seen it as like, former players i've seen it up close it's really not not pretty at all, and the suffering is not just them; it's the families, yep. hella expensive. And so, right. I um, guess I guess we're we're yeah, you're right. It's kind of like one of those like you love to see it, but it's kind of sad that like we got to this point to begin with.
1: Yeah, the race norming in general across everywhere, not just in in case of the NFL, is pretty disputed and pretty controversial. It's essentially where race is used as a proxy for other factors that can affect results in in cognitive tests like your socioeconomic background or your education. But to just apply race as the decider of whether or not you are likely to have similar um, uh, situations to affect your cognitive ability um, has clearly been ruled unfair and racist. And the NFL changing that practice is overdue, but but necessary. Next story. Quickies. Well, our girl, Chenao Ogumike, missing a couple games for the Sparks, and uh, we're hoping that she will be returning to the court soon. But worse is that her sister, NECA, the leader of that Sparks team, is now out four to six weeks with a knee sprain. Courtney, this was a team that had a lot of question marks coming into the season. Candace Parker elects to come back to Chicago, has a great game with my sky, hurts her ankle, and hasn't been back uh, which has been tough for a really struggling Sky team right now, but the Sparks were left sort of wondering, looking around, do we have enough? And now losing Neca for more than a month, uh, certainly not helping. No, I remember hearing Shanae when she talked about the first like couple, first week of the
2: season, when she had mentioned how difficult this one was. Of like, you know difference in the roster and that Neca was I think the longest tenured player next to next to her that they're still trying to figure it out and this seems like a big setback when you lose your star player for four to six weeks that's a sounds like a pretty hefty left knee sprain
1: yeah it's been a handful of really big players like Diana Taurasi, Candace Parker, now Nneka, uh out with injuries real real bummer for WNBA that's experiencing some incredible ratings to start this season uh next story quickies In more positive news, unless, of course, you're an Oklahoma fan or a better on Oklahoma, James Madison softball upsets number one Oklahoma in their first ever Women's College World Series trip. An extraordinary win, a 4-3 extra innings victory. um, Their first ever time at the big show. And James Madison University absolutely stuns everybody. Uh, You know, Courtney, this event is the fastest-growing sport in terms of ratings, viewership, and money-making of any in collegiate sports. And it sits only behind men's football and basketball in terms of revenue driving. A lot of people finally catching up to what a huge thing the College world uh, Softball World Series is. And this kind of massive upset is, is uh, going to draw even more attention.
2: It's an unbelievable event. A couple years ago, I was covering the Warriors-Thunder uh, Western Conference finals in Oklahoma City and at the same time this was going on I think more people cared about the college softball world series than the Western Conference finals and it is it takes over the whole state like it's just wild how popular that event is
1: well congrats to JMU just the second time a number one seed has lost its opening game in the women's college world series Pretty incredible. Spain and Fitz, Courtney Cronin filling in ESPN Radio is presented by Progressives Home Insurance. Get your quote at progressive.com today. Coming up, will the Mavericks actually get a win at home? Like I said earlier, is it not a series till the home team wins a game, too? We'll get into it next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz. No Fitz, though. He's celebrating his birthday tonight. So Courtney Cronin's filling in on ESPN Radio. Sirius XM channel 80 and the ESPN app were presented by progressive insurance and joining us now in the Goodyear hotline Mavs radio analyst, Brad Davis, Brad, thanks for the time. No, no problem. This has been quite a roller coaster of a series. At Any given moment, it's been either an injury that's had us doubting whether Luca and the Mavs could keep up um, issues with the Clippers shooting. That seemed like an anomaly, like they couldn't keep up. And now we've sort of settled into Luca seems healthy enough to go and like this Mavs team is going to outdo a Clippers team that by all accounts on paper should have more weapons and the ability to move past Dallas. What have you seen in this series, uh, the ups and downs that have led us to here?
6: Well, the biggest thing I've seen is the home teams can't win.
1: Yeah.
6: And they always they always say that the, uh, the team that wins the first road game has the upper hand. But in this series, the team that wins the first home game is going to have the <laughs> upper hand.
2: So I watched that game last night, and Luca afterwards said, I could have played way better. On top of the fact that he's dealing with a shoulder injury, he went nuclear, 42 points, 8 rebounds, 14 assist performance to lead the Mavericks to a 3-2 series advantage. What kind of perspective do you have, just just calling games for this team, knowing what Luca has done so far, and where this game fits, I guess, into the entire you know body of work in his what now 12 playoff games of his entire career
6: uh, I tell you what Luca uh, yeah, I mean he's an unbelievable player but to me the bigger the stage the better that he plays and knowing that we needed to get that win out in LA to bring it back here to Dallas up uh, 3-2 I thought he stepped up and uh, really played well I thought he got a little gassed at the end of the game because uh, he played a lot of heavy minutes. That's more minutes than he normally plays. But uh, we needed every one of those minutes.
1: Spain and Fitz, we're talking to Ma- uh, Mavs radio analyst Brad Davis. It's, it's really fun to talk about Luca's performance and to marvel over the fact that he accounted for the highest percentage of points of anyone ever in a playoff NBA game in terms of assists or shots. Uh, but that's also worrisome in terms of advancing not only past this Clippers team, but moving further in the West. What do you make of the auxiliary pieces of this team? And especially last night uh, when he went to them, not being able to make it happen.
6: Yeah. You know what? It's funny uh, about the last month and a half of the season, all the uh, auxiliary guys, Dorian Finney-Smith, Hardaway, Jalen Brunson, all those guys were really playing well, shooting the ball well, but they've just hit a little bit of a cold streak here in uh, this playoff series, and you've got to give the Clippers credit. They're doing a good job. They're running those guys off the three-point line, not giving them a lot of open looks. But uh, I expect when these guys come back here tomorrow night that uh, they'll knock down some shots. I mean, if they had made some shots last night, Luca probably would have had over 20 assists.
2: What is the status with his shoulder? Because I know how much pain he looked like he was in in game four how much of this is like a day to day thing? Is he, you know, miraculously recovered at this point just given what we saw last night? How concerning is this thing given what we've seen from injuries and how they affected other series so far?
6: Uh, you know, what I don't think it's that bad. Uh, you know, he's logged a lot of minutes through the season and you know, watching him play, you know, he's a physical player, takes a beating out there, so I think it's one of those nagging things that sort of crept up on him, maybe tightened up on him a little bit, but it looked loose uh, the other night against uh, the Clippers, and he's got another day of treatment and everything, so I'm sure he's going to be good to go come tomorrow night.
1: Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz tonight. We're talking to Mavs radio analyst Brad Davis. Brad, you know, during the regular season season, this didn't look like a juggernaut of a team between injuries and COVID and and everything else. um, I can Mm -hmm. imagine that that Dallas fan base was sort of excited just to be in it and to have a shot. If they end up moving past this Clippers team, that's got such a highly touted team of stars. um, What do you think this city will expect from this team and just how excitable um, could they get about a, a Luka led squad?
6: Well, I think they're real excited now. I mean, I think they were excited just to get into the playoffs this year with this team. And when they did got the same matchup that we had down in the bubble with the Clippers again, they were excited about that, you know, and then we go up two and zero, and they're really excited. And then we lose two in a row at home and, you know, the the fanfare sort of died down a little bit, but that win last night pumped it back up and, I would imagine that crowd will be going crazy tomorrow trying to close this thing out. And to me, everything's gravy. You know, nobody expected a whole lot from this team and if they can advance to the second round and play Utah, you know, they've got a, they've got a free swing. You know, everybody's expecting Utah to be in the conference finals, possibly the NBA finals. So I think all the pressure's on the opposite team and uh, Dallas has some free swings at it.
2: How important is it going to be for Kristaps Porzingis to find that second gear, you know, at any point throughout this series with Luca's injury, if, it's, if it gets worse, if it you know, doesn't get any worse than it is, if it just stays the same? What does Kristaps' role have to be now to get past the Clippers and then get into the second round and make some more noise?
6: Well, he's one of those guys. He's got to take some scoring load off of Luca, And, uh, you know, he's been struggling with his shot. Uh, struggling a little bit against the smaller lineups with his uh, post ups. Uh, I thought last night he played well defensively, protected the rim inside. Uh, but you know, moving forward for the game tomorrow night, and then if we advance against Utah, he's going to need to pick up the scoring because I mean, Lucas carrying the bulk of the scoring low by himself, and Chris pops. We've seen it. He can he can get you twenty five, thirty points in a night. So. Uh, You know, he needs to really step that up and help Luke out.
1: Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Brad Davis, Mavs Radio Analyst. Can you take us back to even middle of May when there were a lot of questions about the offseason for this team, big fixes that would need to be made? Are there things that you still see on this team despite the wins that you say, yeah, we're going to have to take care of that in the offseason, or or, we're probably going to have to say goodbye to that guy and bring in something new? Or do you think a lot will hinge on just how far they can go?
6: I think it's a combination of both. Uh, You know, they still need a third player, Uh, you know, probably a bruiser, maybe a four guy that can really get some rebounds, protect the rim, uh, can score inside when we need it. I mean, right now we really don't have – Luke is probably our best post-up player that we have on our team. and uh, It'd be nice to have somebody that uh, when the shots aren't falling, you can throw them down into that low post, give them the ball and let them go to work and get you two points.
1: Yeah, it it certainly feels like um, for a lot of teams in this postseason, a lot of decisions are going to be made um, on a wait-and-see basis uh, once, once some of this shakes out deeper into the playoffs. Hey, appreciate the insight, Brad. Continue to enjoy calling this young superstar and this really fun team.
6: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having
1: me. Mavs radio analyst Brad Davis with us on the Goodyear Hotline here on Spain & Fit's. Coming up, another superstar carrying the load, but maybe not as effectively, or at least not to the same result. Does Dame need to leave Portland to finally get to the top? We'll talk about it next.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
1: Kevin Durant described it as a spiritual experience. He said, I had like four tweets I wanted to write to describe this masterpiece by Damian Lamont, Ali Lillard, Sr., but I am seriously at a loss for words. I was mostly at a loss for words the other night as well. A lot of snorts, a lot of laughing, a lot of what's came out of my mouth as I watched Damian Lillard go off in what was ultimately a loss to the Nuggets, but was the kind of win for him as a player and his legend that it's tough to top even in a win. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz is out. Cordy Cronin filling in on ESPN Radio. Sirius XM Channel 80 and the ESPN app were presented by Progressive. It was a double overtime, 147-140 win for the Nuggets. They go up 3-2 in the best-of-seven series. It feels like they have the power and control here, particularly when it takes such a Herculean effort from Dame and his Blazers still come up short. But 55 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds, shooting 17 of 24 from the field, 12 of 17 shooting from 3-point range, and a lot of those weren't 3s. They were (laughs) 4s. They had... (laughs) bunch of dudes on him for those fours turning around no time falling away incredible heaves that all went in and courtney instead of enjoying it and saying ah you know they just got bested by a better team we heard a lot of the same conversations that have gone on for years which are all how do we get damian lillard to stop being so loyal to portland and convince him to leave a place that he has signed not one but two contract extensions with and has told us forever and ever he doesn't want to leave. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Why do we keep having this conversation when the answer is always the same?
2: Because it's frustrating as heck to like watch <laughs> this. Blazers not named Damian Lillard in the two overtime periods on Tuesday night. They went one for fourteen. Can somebody help the man out? <laughs> watching how I mean it was actually like I was chuckling as I was watching the game, being like, Oh yeah, Denver should continue to let him shoot. Like, let's see what happens. <laughs> Eventually they closed in on him in the final three forty five and Dame was rendered, you know, ineffective at that point in the second overtime, but it took them long enough. It just I want Damian Lillard to win. I remember watching before the playoffs started, he sat down with Cassidy Hubberth and was talking about what is it going to take to get to the finals in year number nine for him. And it just feels like we have reached the ceiling. We keep talking about it. How much further can we go? No, it's this is as far as this Portland team is going to go with Damian Lillard. And I get the loyalty aspect. I get that he doesn't want to join a super team. And it's honestly probably pretty hard right now to walk that back considering how many times he's reiterated much of the same sentiment that you know whatever they did in Golden State whatever they did in LA both LA's you know wherever they did elsewhere he wants to be part of something that he started there I mean in Portland has meant everything to him I mean he wears you know you talk about like wearing the letter O you know for Oakland for um Wherever Weber State is, I'm, bl- I'm blanking on it now. I mean, he's so loyal to the places that made him who he is, and it's frustrating because I just want Damian Lillard to win. Ogden, by that's where it was. Um, it's just he's gonna like he's just been tested so many times, and we see him have these incredible performances throughout the postseason, throughout his career. But there's always a team that has one more superstar, that has a little bit more depth on the bench, that gets the best of the Portland Trailblazers. And you can never point to Damian Lillard and be like, man, I wish Dame would have done more tonight. It's always like, man, I wish somebody else would have done more. I wish D.J. McCollum wouldn't have stepped out of bounds. I wish that Carmelo Anthony would have done more. I wish Nurkic would have done more. I just keep wishing for things that don't happen. And I don't know how many more years we can waste of Damian Lillard's career.
1: I want to see the guy in the finals. He deserves to be there. And that's part of it, Courtney, is your mindset maybe is different than his. Maybe it's different than all of ours, right? We consider the best players as needing to play on the highest levels, the biggest stages, to have a shot at a title. It's almost... It's not a it's not an apples to apples, but in in a way, Mike Trout just popped into my mind. Like all of us being like, mm-hmm. "Dude, get out, go somewhere where we can watch you in the playoffs." Like everyone that's an expert in baseball tells us, you're the greatest to ever play, and we haven't gotten to see you in a playoff game. And like you're not you're not out there winning World Series. You're you're stuck. And I think we all feel that way about Dame. Now they've certainly done better than the Angels, but you're right. He deserves to be in the finals. He deserves to be hitting the kind of shots we can see him make in the most clutch moments against the best teams. And it's probably not going to happen here unless the front office changes, the caretaker for this team changes. You know, local reporters have been saying this for a while, but, you know, they, they want a different engineer to work on this roster. You could blame the guys around him for not doing enough, but in the cases of many of them, They just aren't good enough to be expected to do much more. CJ McCollum's a great player and maybe needs to be more consistent, certainly at the end of that last game. But they just need more around him to compete with the, the NBA of today, where you've got multiple stars and tons of role players. And so, yeah, in the moment, we can be frustrated with his supporting cast, but we should be more frustrated with the team for not going out and getting a killer in the front office to give this roster a real shot while Damian is still at the peak of his powers.
2: What frustrates me the most is that no matter if he if he stays in Portland, no matter what the conversation's going to be, because I don't think that Portland team, as it's constructed right now, is gonna, ever going to be capable to get to a finals. It's always going to be, well, Dame was the guy on the team that he couldn't lift them far enough. Like he could only do so much. I don't know what more you want him to do. I know everybody's going to make the Steph Curry playoffs, all that. Well, Steph's also playing with Clay in the postseason. He's playing with Draymond. He played with Kevin Durant. He played with Andre Iguodala coming off the bench. He had much more around him to, to be successful in the postseason. Dame's supporting cast is not that because you're always going to get people who compare Dame versus Steph and their postseason experience or how far they've gotten in the postseason. One thing I'd love to see personally with those two is them joining forces in the backcourt for USA Basketball. Like You, you couldn't hold yeah, uh, uh, light so a candle fun. to that. That would be incredible. But when you think about what the Portland Trailblazers could do, because the, the Nuggets can close out the series tonight and send Portland into the offseason. Tell me if you think this is nuts, because Damian's from Damian Lillard is from Oakland. I'd like to see him finish out his career with the Warriors. I know a lot of people would say, why in the world would Portland trade Damian Lillard to a team that they face like every other week during the regular season and has always been a team that they run into in the postseason, in the, in, in the early rounds of the playoffs? Well, the Warriors have a ton of draft capital, and if you are really interested in, in rebuilding this team and rebuilding expectations around this team and giving Damian Lillard, honestly, like doing right by Damian Lillard and giving him a chance to go win in his hometown to finish out his career however many more years he wants to play. He's going to be 31 soon. I think it's a fresh start. Like they, they've gone so as far as they can go. And I know I'm already yeah, writing them Courtney, off before they were playing the game tonight.
1: I uh, Yeah, for sure. They're still 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 in it. Um, And again, you're applying your own logic. The amount of times that he has said he doesn't want to leave means that when you say do right by him, that's not what he wants. He wants to stay in Portland. He wants to play for the Blazers. And if you get that kind of loyalty out of a superstar game-changer like Dame, it's on you to get the pieces. It's on you to make the team good enough to do better, right? Like, every time he gets asked, he says, I want to stay here. He says, I want to have a parade on Broadway, and I... I want to ride past my favorite steakhouse. I want this to be done here. So now it's just on the front office to get it done. And Nurkic and CJ and all those guys to step up their game. But you got to go out and get better pieces. Because I, I, I can't imagine the frustration of fans in Portland constantly hearing national media urging Dame to leave. We have such a fine line. We're so fickle about loyalty. If we we think someone should stick around and they don't want to, we criticize them. If we think someone isn't going to have a chance where they are, we encourage them to dump their squad. We we, we have no consistency across this kind of conversation, Um, except that we've consistently tried to tell Dame that he shouldn't be loyal to the place that he wants to be. And I don't blame us, but I'd rather see them fix it than him go.
2: I don't know if they can fix it. I really don't 'cause I don't this front office has been together for a while and nothing's shown you that they're capable of luring in big time free agents, the superstar powers, to play with another superstar. The ceiling has been reached. I just I wonder if Dame's gonna see the light if they end up losing this game six and he has some time to really think about it 'cause he doesn't you know, it's year nine and if he doesn't make the playoffs in year nine we go into year ten
1: asking the same questions. Well, they're in the playoffs, but I see what you mean. They don't continue to advance, yeah. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Up next, will AD play?
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: Big night for the Lakers as they look to stave off elimination. Will they have AD? Will they have KCP? Will they get a W It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for fits on ESPN radio and joining us now a very busy man ahead of this game, joining us on the Goodyear hotline, David Menem and Dave, thanks for the time.
5: Uh, of course you got it. It's gone, guys. What's
1: the latest? Do we have any updates on the game time decisions for AD and KCP?
5: We don't. And actually uh, they have the bowl closed right now. The Lakers didn't do a morning shoot around. They did a evening walk through, uh, so we haven't got a glimpse of Anthony yet. This is right around while we're talking. He should be taking the court for his normal pregame routine. He does it two hours before tip-off. And so I reported on Center earlier. A source told me it was looking 50-50. Uh, the decision is not going to be up to Anthony Davis. The team will decide. The medical staff will decide whether he can go or not. And, you know, uh, we'll know <laughs> that soon enough. I imagine – Frank is going to talk to us in about 15 minutes. He'll probably tell us, hey, we're still deciding. Um, 30 minutes before tip off, we'll know definitively whether he's in there or not.
2: The most watched groin in the NBA. I remember covering <laughs> Steph Careful, Curry Courtney. when you he went through. You
1: can't make that kind of claim unless <laughs> you're doing some real investigative work.
2: <laughs> oh, well, I remember covering Steph Curry in the postseason a few years ago after the Rocket Series where he injured his, and it was like we were on groin watch, and it's like, you know. I digress. Sorry, Dave. Um, but, like, you say the decision's not up to him. This is one of those injuries, though, that seems like it's a lot Based on feel and whether you can go, and if it's not going to get hurt any worse than it already is, maybe they'll clear him medically. How how does this whole thing work? Just from what the medical staff has to do, and in, in knowing how much they can push him and how much they might be able to put on him tonight, in order to know if they can clear him.
5: Yeah, it's funny. Like I, Corey, I, I don't really have a good way to answer that. I don't know what the the tests are that they put him through. Uh, I didn't stay in the Holiday Inn. Express last night, I did just make a joke that is about twelve years dated <laughs> from their old advertising campaign. But no, we don't know. Now, obviously, it will be even if he gets the clearance, it'll be on Anthony Davis to manage his body accordingly. In Game Four, he played, uh, even though he had you know hurt that that knee in Game Three, and you could tell he was limping, and obviously that led to the groin injury. He told us yesterday that the Left knee injury was a direct cause of the left groin injury. And so Mm -hmm. if he does play, considering if they do what they want to do and win game six, well, if he comes in and plays game six and hurts himself and he can't play game seven, it's probably the curtains anyway. So it'll be on, obviously, the medical staff to clear him to a certain capacity, but then it'll be, can Anthony Davis manage it in a way where he's not hampering himself but also being effective.
1: Dave McMenamin with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear hotline. You know, Dave, it's it's probably not something that's being said explicitly, but I wonder if you can read behind between the lines at all and try to figure out if the decision to clear him has anything to do with the amount of time and money they have sunk into him in the future. Or are they thinking all about just right now?
5: I would think you would certainly have to think about the long-term investment here. He signed a full max extension this offseason. And of course they won the championship last year and they would love to win a championship this year, but you still have pieces in place that will be here next year. And what happens if he comes back and the worst case scenario happens, we are all watching the 20, 19 NBA finals where Kevin Durant came back from a Achilles tendinosis injury and tore his Achilles, and then he misses the entire next season and more. That's not a scenario that the Lakers can afford, especially considering where LeBron James's career is at. Where you know, if you lose out on Anthony Davis next year, well, what good is LeBron James in year 19 at 37 years old without a, a legitimate running mate? So these are the, the type of things they have to weigh out. And do you err on the side of caution? Do you trust the player? to just say, I, I want to be a competitor and fight through it. Right now, they're saying they're not going to trust the player. They're going to not allow Anthony Davis to decide his fate.
2: LeBron James is 6-0 and in closeout games since 2008 and 7-2 overall, losing only to the eventual NBA champion, Boston Celtics, at the age of 21, and then to the Detroit Pistons. But um, I'm wondering, when we saw LeBron the other night and he dished out seven assists, and I don't know where they went because I didn't see anybody else score outside of Kyle Kuzma. (laughs) Like, what does LeBron need to do tonight? I know that's like the the existential question. Well, he needs to be superhuman. But is it a matter of I need to get mine or I'm going to still try to get other guys involved? Does he believe that his supporting cast can actually support him if AD is not able to go?
5: Well, we know from a body of evidence in LeBron's career thus far. When it gets down to elimination games, he does put it on himself. He is the all-time leading scorer in elimination game scenario, 33.7 points per game. And so you would anticipate that, that he will try to take more of the scoring load upon himself. But this is a pretty darn good Suns team. They were second in the league in wins this year. Even with Chris Paul being hampered, look at what Devin Booker's doing this series. Look at what DeAndre Ayton's doing this series. So a superhuman LeBron effort will not be enough, especially if Anthony Davis isn't the type of guy we're used to. And so you're going to have to see Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, Wesley Matthews, Andre Drummond, and the guy, the biggest circle is around is Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder turned down $84 million for the Lakers earlier in this this season, which led the Lakers to pursue – Trade opportunities for him, almost traded for Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline. They ended up keeping Schroeder, and in the biggest game of the season thus far, he went 0-9 for 9 from the field in Game 5. Uh, that cannot get it done. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has to be an effective player here uh, because you're supposed to think that's a plus. If Chris Paul is hurt, which he is, you're like, well, at least then we, get, we win that matchup, right? But a hurt Chris Paul outplayed Dennis Schroeder in Game yeah. 5, which is almost inconceivable. Mm.
1: Dave, I know you have to run, so quick question for you. If the Lakers lose tonight, how big of an explosion is there in L.A.? Or do you think a lot of people will be able to chalk it up to, well, it was injuries and get right back at it next season?
5: No, I think it would be a pretty stark disappointment. I mean, we were just this past weekend look at the Lakers being 2-1, and one, thinking they got through all the uneasiness of the regular season and they are now in position to make a legitimate run here. Uh, I, I think there will be a lot of question marks, a lot of fingers pointed, particularly at the front office. Uh, the decisions made in the offseason, they don't re-sign Rajon Rondo. They don't re-sign uh, JaVale McGee, or they trade JaVale McGee. They don't re-sign Dwight Howard. Uh, players that were really key pieces to last year's championship run. And if you look at most of the pieces that they brought in so far, Dennis Schroeder, Marcus Wesley Matthews, Andre Drummond, Ben McLemore, none of those guys have performed in this series in a way where you say, oh, you know, they they were here to help the team win a championship.
1: Yeah, lots of conversations to be had if things go poorly tonight. And, of course, lots to think about if they win it and force another game. Dave, really appreciate you sneaking us in. Okay, you got it, guys. Enjoy the game tonight. Dave McMenamin. Uh, Always coming with the good stuff on this Lakers team and a huge night in L.A. The first of a couple here, Courtney, depending on which side of the Staples Center you root uh, elimination games to be faced. And uh, man, uh, what a weird thing it would be to to, to be without an L.A. team in the postseason. I think I read the last time this happened. Uh, The Sacramento Kings were the California team that remained uh, a long time ago, long time ago. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk about what it's going to take tonight for the Lakers to force another game and whether there is a true question of LeBron's legacy on the line if there's a first-round exit. It's coming up next.
0: Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz is off for his birthday. Birthday boy eating tons of cake, no pie, never pie. Courtney Cronin filling in ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and the ESPN app. Don't forget to subscribe to Spain and Fitz, the podcast on ESPN app, Apple, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. You can get all the stuff that you miss any given night, and sometimes we do some digital-only pre-show and post-show parties that you can only get on the podcast, so keep an eye out for that. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, We're keeping an eye on this first game of the night. It's a tight one right now at the end of the first. Portland up 33-29 on Denver, and again, Portland uh, backs against the wall trying to extend the series and uh, Denver hanging in there trying to make uh, make an end of uh, Dame's season and leave us asking all those questions yet again about whether he should leave. But the most eyes are on the next game, the one coming up, the defending champion Lakers uh, on the brink as the Phoenix Suns, a good team all year, but a surprising team, uh, have them up three two. the Lakers needing to defend themselves on home court. And, Courtney, uh, we just talked to Dave McMenamin, still a day-to-day sort of last-minute game-time decision for AD. Um, That's going to be huge because if AD is out, there needs to be a completely different approach than what we saw in the last game from the Lakers.
2: Superhuman LeBron, we've Mm -hmm. seen him do that in his prime. The question tonight that I think we're going to find out is, is LeBron James still in his prime? And I know that that's kind of unfair because of the injuries that he's dealt with throughout this season. and He's said, at 36, I'm never going to be 100% anymore. But I think that we honestly look at the stats, look at what he's been able to stave off, something that Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant couldn't even do, which is, you know, not have a blemish on his first-round record. We're going to come away tonight saying LeBron James is still the king, he's still in his prime, he's still everything we thought he was and more. Or we're going to say... This is not the beginning of the end. It's a stupid thing to say, so brain, don't say that. But um is this... <laughs> the like, inevitable we...
1: decline. Sure.
2: Did we finally see, is, is he, he a human, human? being? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Because exactly. <laughs> like he's the all-time leading scorer in elimination games overall. 33.7 points with the end of the season on the line, regardless of what series he's been in. And that's the thing. I mean, you think about... Um, You know, when the Warriors had a 3-1 lead, what LeBron did to get his team back into this series. You think about all those other times in Miami, in Cleveland. I mean, there's multiple examples of this. And it's just like we've... I feel like that's why the Vegas odds, at least what we saw yesterday, I haven't really looked to see how much the line has changed, but... They don't want to count LeBron James out. I don't think anybody right. wants to count LeBron James out because, honestly— We've been
1: proved wrong so many times. Yeah. And I've it's, done it's, it. I've been like, yeah, he doesn't have enough pieces around him. Oh, this team isn't good. And he figures it out somehow, some way. And there's so many excuses that are built in that are completely valid.
2: The ankle injury, um, Davis's groin injury, the fact that like there are all these prolonged absences during the regular season— you know, and now they have to face that they're facing a very talented Suns team. But I just can't count him out yet, and maybe that's because we've seen LeBron do this so many times yeah. before. But you've got to wonder, you know, if he loses Game Six or loses Game Seven, if they are able to force a Game Seven, you have to think about last year's title run and whether it was an anomaly and not his two Laker seasons surrounding it. I know that that might be unfair to some people when you look at it that way, but, you know, that's just kind of the inevitable. You're wondering, did the the bubble take too much out of him, or was it a complete anomaly that got them there in the first place?
1: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin. To your point, I said last year that there were some asterisks. It didn't mean it wasn't difficult to win, and it didn't mean something to win, but I did look around at some of what went down in the postseason and say, I just can't say that this is how things would have gone, If there had been home and away advantage Mm -hmm. if there had been different regular sight lines if people hadn't opted out opted out for COVID or been sent home or otherwise and you can't as i always use this reference sliding doors it and go back and see what would have happened but we've seen a lot of the teams that went far last year out probably because of the short turnaround potentially because it wasn't an accurate indication of, of skill and talent um now, that's not to say that that Lakers team with Anthony Davis and LeBron isn't something you could bet on almost any year, but your point is a valid one. A lot of it is, is of course, injuries too. Um, and, and the aggressiveness of LeBron James has been surprising this season. In the past, we've had these debates over whether he facilitates too much, even when it's the right play, knowing how great he is, does he need to leave it to himself? And now that question is coming up a lot because of the injury. We saw in a couple of these games some of the least aggressive LeBron James outings ever including one game in this series not scoring a single point in the paint we've also seen sloppiness that is not usually James M.O. right he's turned the ball over six or more times um, a couple of times and in those games his teams have lost 22 and 30 and he's got two or fewer turnovers they're 75 and 18 they won game two James had just one turnover so he's got to take care of the ball and he needs to be aggressive Frank Vogel talked about what they need to get from LeBron.
3: Well, obviously, we need him to be great, but you know, I, I think that the balance of shot, uh, shot and pass, you know, is is overstated. Like we needed him to generate good offense for us every time down. You know what I mean? And we need everybody to support him uh, and knock down shots. You know, but I, you know, I know one thing: he's going to be super aggressive, and you know, he's going to make good basketball plays, and you know, hopefully, he's going to get us uh, get us some quality looks that that can really get the whole group going, and we can we can beat the Phoenix Suns as a team.
1: That, to me, sounds like someone who doesn't want to pee off his star because that's not the answer I'm looking for. It's not a nice balance between shooting and facilitating. He needs to be much more aggressive, and if he's not, they will lose. The expectation for him is that he's going
2: to play at an all-NBA level. At this stage in his career, that is something that so few superstars have ever been able to do. I mean, we saw Tim Duncan... He was an All-NBA player in his 18th season. He's the only one in his 18th season or later to reach that feat. Like, if LeBron joins him on that list, he'll be the second um, on the All-NBA this season because no player's ever made it in their 19th season or later in league history. We keep expecting. Like, I, I honestly think that, yes, he's 36 years old, but we look at him and we don't see age. We just don't because he does things every single time that make you just you're in complete awe of it happening. So it's almost like we're just not ready to like throw in the towel and be like, okay, age did catch up with him. Okay. Injuries caught up with him. He's not Superman all the time because we've seen him defy it so many times before, but like, when we talk about legacy, because I know that this is the argument that's going to come up, because there are plenty of fans out there of this postseason watching basketball who want him to fail, who want the Lakers to go out, A, because are the Lakers, B, because people want to see the king fall. They want to see the beginning of the end. There's no harm done to his legacy whatsoever if the Lakers lose. I mean, they're wounded. After last season and, you know, having no time off between the bubble and going right back into the 2020-2021 season, like, even Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant had first-round mishaps. I don't think that we should at all blame LeBron or put any sort of question mark on him and his legacy, especially this late in his career.
1: Courtney, I agree. I think his legacy is already secure. Now, what he's chasing is for fewer people to choose Michael versus him in the debate. That's it. That's that's all that he has left, really. Um, to your point, though, we won't believe that he's done. We won't believe that he's human until we have proof of concept. We literally have to see him, and not just this year. If they lose tonight and the Lakers are out, that will not be enough to tell me that LeBron is older and weaker and human. It will tell me that in this moment— He's not fully 100% as he's still suffering from the impact of that high ankle sprain. He was out his other superstar in Anthony Davis. KCP is out. His supporting cast has been trash and he wasn't able to do it all on his own. And he could just as easily heal up, sleep in his cryogenic chamber every night for a a couple months and come back next year and impress us all over again. And I wouldn't be surprised at this point because I've decided I'm going to stop picking against him. But what we do need to see tonight um, if they are going to win and stave off that conversation, is LeBron asserting himself, being dominant? And yeah, of course there are times when he's going to need to make the right play and that's going to be a pass. And of course, yeah, he only scored more than 40 points once this season. In fact, the Lakers were 5-5 five and five in his 10 highest scoring games. So it's not necessarily a recipe for success the rest of the season. But right now, it's probably the only way they can do it. And Jalen Rose agrees.
0: We need LeBron to be in attack mode. We need him to be aggressive. But I do need 35 points. It can't just be 25 points and 7 assists. LeBron got to be aggressive. He got to set the tone. Your best player can be a scorer like LeBron is. But also, he got to be a bucket. And that's 30 points at least.
1: Yeah, you know, Courtney, we've heard... Kendrick Perkins say in the last game, LeBron's going to be the guy because it's a game five and that's when he shows up. And now we've heard people say, LeBron's going to be the guy. And then, you know, this morning Key said it. Is he going to be? What's your prediction? I think, I mean, he has to be.
2: I will go ahead and say that he will be because I usually get proven wrong anytime I've bet against LeBron, like the proverbial bet. I, I'm not willing to, to to lay it down or to put it down until we see if he is human after all.
1: Yeah, this is what I did last time. I said my gut says the Suns, but I just said I'm not allowed to pick against LeBron anymore. Oh, we're out of time. I can't make a pick. Freddie Fitzsimmons are next.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN radio and on the ESPN app.